0: What's up, high school football fans? It's football playoffs, playoffs here in Savannah, Georgia. We have one team left, and that's, of course, the Benedictine Military School Cadets. Welcome to the Prep Sports Report High School Pigskin Preview, playoff preview like I've been doing the whole year. And the last four or five weeks, I've had the, the man himself, the, the sports reporter. He's been kicking around the sports and sporting news since 2016, does his own podcast, the Hot Grids podcast. Uh, Writes for Connect Savannah, does a ton of work for the Prep Sports Report. I'm glad to be back and glad to talk semifinal Georgia High School State Association football playoffs with the man himself, always on the coach's corner hot seat, Travis Jadon. What's up, Travis? How's it going?
1: What's up, man? BC, back again.
0: Yep, always back again, always always marching on. It's the constant. uh, It's the constant team that we can count on to give us some joy about making it this far in the playoffs, what's this? You you know the stats: three out of the last four years we're in the semifinals, four out of the last. What's the stats?
1: Yeah, I think it's three straight semifinals and six out of the last ten for BC. So they're yeah, like you said, constant, man.
0: And Danny Brits Daya what? eleven years now, and every year they've been in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think, I, I yeah, did they make it his first year?
0: They sure did. I was at the game against Groves High School. They had to kick a field goal. To uh, win the game, and when they won the game, they made the playoffs. So yeah, Danny Britz, uh, he's had the Midas touch at Benedictine Military School, and man, he didn't do—he didn't do a bad job at Calvary either.
1: No, he didn't. What a world, man! Imagine BC beating Groves uh, this year on a game-winning field goal.
0: <laughs> I don't think that would happen, but uh, no, you know.
1: So, but you not.
0: know, uh, you know, we, we're going to talk about last week's games. We'll get into uh, this week's uh, – well, we can talk about last week's games. If you've got any top performers you want to talk about. And then, of course, we'll get into tomorrow night's game uh, with Troop County. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Both teams have two common opponents, so we could break it that way. So let's start it off with last week. We'll kick it off with the Elite Eight games. We had three teams trying to get there. One out of the three One. We told you Benedictine. Benedictine over Stockbridge, 34-14. Another nail-biter at halftime. But once again, they make the adjustments. They shut down Stockbridge in the second half. It's the same story week in and week out. And what's really interesting, which we talked about, uh, you know, in pregame, uh, pregame meeting, is that Benedictine didn't have to throw the ball much last week.
1: Yeah, I kind of compared it a little to what Calvary did against Darty. Like when, when, and I was at the Savannah Christian game, but I watched the BC Stockbridge game live on NFHS and. I could tell that, like, obviously they were running the ball a lot more often than usual, but I didn't know until after the game they rushed for 282 yards on 44 carries. And Luke Cronenhawk was only four of seven for 58 yards. We haven't really seen BC win that way at all, all year. They haven't had to, right? And, like, I think they could have beat Stockbridge Carl in a number of ways, but like for them to come out and do it that way was even more impressive. And then the defense again for them it is just, they got a formula down where they really, really shut teams down uh, after they see them for a couple of drives.
0: I mean, we've given, we've given the defense a lot of credit for halftime adjustments. Hey, but AJ DePhillips and his, his offensive crew, how to make adjustments too to score that many points in the second half in, in, in these games. So the coaching staff gets together at halftime, they sit down, they break it down. They know what they got to do. And you know what? They win on both sides of the balls. And special teams has been a big part too. I mean, Zaquan Bryan's all over the place.
1: Yeah, and that get, just adds another element. So like when a team like Stopbridge is preparing for Benedictine, during the week you have to spend legitimate amount of time preparing for BC's special teams. And as you know, as a former coach, Carl, like when you're taking up time to practice, that kind of thing, it just takes away from the time where you're practicing the defense, you know, and the offensive game plan or whatever. So that's another element for them. And like, didn't didn't Stockbridge? I'm pretty sure they scored their touchdown on a fumble return for uh, for a score. Like, and if that's the case, that's even more credit to the defense. But like you said about DePhillips, BC, and they've always been this way. They're super complementary. You see some teams where like the offense, it seems like the offense doesn't really align with what their own defense is doing. Like they don't work off of each other. BC is the exact opposite. All three phases kind of work in tandem with each other. Um, and that's how they've won nine in a row. That's how they're rolling.
0: And, you know, it's, it's definitely an old football cliche. There's three parts to a football team, offense, special teams, and defense, offense, special teams will win your games, defense will win your championships. And BC has got it down pat and, I'm going to go back to it again. I know I'm an OG, an old guy. I'll go back Mm to my old saying. It's like a broken record. I mean, Danny Britt and his coaching staff, because he'll tell you it's not all him. They prepare this team in the first part of the season. Okay. That's their non-region games. And then they get to the second part, the region games, which before this year has been runaways. This year was kind of tough where they had to come to play every, every game. And then of course, you're in the third part of the season, the playoffs, and it, everything's just gelling together. So it's one thing after another, but they have three parts of a team that interact, that are working together. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm not looking to a crystal ball. I just can't see uh, a team beating this team this year. They're just, they're just at the right point, at the right moment of the season.
1: Yeah, and and to think about like what BC, BC's had to overcome some stuff too, not oh, yeah. just in the early season non-region schedule they had a a practice scare with a freshman player um, who had a health scare during practice think about the game with jenkins the the chaos off the field surrounding that that seems like it was five years ago now (laughs) not to mention a road trip to miami to really get sort of humbled and worked over in miami by a really really good team so it hasn't all been as easy as it might look especially down the stretch in october and november and now into December but yeah when they play Troop County it that won't be anything that they haven't seen right they've right. seen Ware County they've seen all those teams so they're prepared
0: all right so we won't we won't break down the game yet cuz we want to cover the other two games and you attended the Air Stadium game and as of course was Savannah Christian hosted Sandy Creek i mean it was uh what was it 37-7 at halftime they didn't run the clock in the third quarter did they
1: no they did it and and you know i don't I think the, the rules for that with the playoffs are different, right?
0: I'm not sure, but because I've been going to other games, and when teams have gotten up 30 points, the the clock has uh, run, or, you know the, the clock runs. So uh, I think
1: they give the, I think it may be in the playoffs that
0: give the losing team the, the option. option. Well, here, here's the, here's the rule during the season. I think it's the same way in the playoffs. Okay. If a team is up 30 points at a halftime, the coach that is behind 30 points has the option to use a running clock. If it's 30 points at the end of the third quarter, you have no option. The uh, mercy rule goes into effect. So, you know, it was 37-7 at halftime. It was 44-21 to 21 at the end of the third, right? Yeah. So 44 minus 21, you're still under 30 points, right? Yeah. And So the clock didn't run at all that game.
1: No, it didn't. It, it never ran. But, but I think, yeah, the first drive for Savannah Christian of the second half, they came out and scored – a touchdown. Um, and that, I guess that sort of got them to where they're within somewhat of striking distance. But Carl, honestly, if they play that game 20 times, I'm not sure that Savannah Christian wins more than once or twice. Um, and it was evident early, like there was a quote about Baker Woodward saying that this was the best team they had played all year. Uh, You know, I'm still not positive about that, but I see what he saw now. Sandy. One of
0: the best teams he's played all year. Yeah. One of the best.
1: Sandy Creek was legit. They were so fast, so big, and really good. Carl, they won that game with ease, and they committed 16 penalties. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, it was tough to see that going any other way. Um, But I will say that Savannah Christian, like, proved, I think, to themselves and to a lot of that team that's coming back that they can pretty much play with the top 10 teams in the state. I think when they get to the top three ish teams, maybe that's where they're running into trouble. Um, I felt bad for Zoe smalls a little bit. I don't know how much of the game. Well, you know, you read the recap. He was just bottled up, man. They were completely focused on him and they were never able to get him going. Savannah Christian wasn't. And that doomed them. I think in the end.
0: Well, same thing happened with Calvary. Calvary shut him down. I know he had more yards in the Calvary game than this game, but Calvary didn't let him break it open. I mean, I think, he, I think he wound up with 20 carries, 71 yards against Calvary. I mean, it's not exact, but and, uh, from reading your recaps and from reading the Twitter, he just couldn't get it going. But, you know, the kid's special. You know, you're always going to find a team that's going to zone in on that one one gem or that one diamond you got, and they're going to try and shut it down, and that's what they did. They took it away. I mean, don't take it away. Uh, you know, uh, Paul Zitrauer had a great season for a quarterback that, we thought was one of the top, but not many people agreed with us. But it showed that by the end of the season, he was one of the top quarterbacks in the area. Then, of course, you know, you got Busey and Griffith on defense. I mean, this team is, you know, I give Baker Woodward a lot of credit because last year he said, we're young. We got to learn how to walk before we run. And this year they started running. I hate to see what's going to happen next year with Calvary and, and, uh, and Savannah Christian in that 3A. Imagine if those two teams stayed in 1A private. Imagine yeah. what – oh, that, that would be the state championship game right there.
1: Yeah, and, like, there will probably be a lot of talk next year about what the matchup is because I'm sure we'll talk about Calvary-Cedar Grove in a second, but if you see Region three a coming down to Calvary and Savannah Christian again, and why wouldn't you? They're both returning almost everybody, everybody. Has, <laughs> of significance. Um, you know, if that happens again and they're playing for a region title – you could once again see that maybe you don't want to match up with Cedar Grove, and that might be some sort of a conversation. But yeah, I think what Savannah Christian has coming back is about—they should be about as good as any Baker Woodward team ever so far.
0: Oh, I'm excited to see it. You know, I think that team's going to rank up with one of the best Savannah Christian teams coming out of there in a long time. So uh, we'll see what happens to that. But uh, uh you know, it, you just get to the playoffs, and everybody is good. And uh, you know, after that first round. Which some teams had to play a tough first round. You never know what's going to happen. So, uh, and then of course, I made the fun travel up there till uh, Decatur Stadium on the uh, outskirts of the Georgia State Decatur campus in that old stadium. I mean, there was only one stand on one side and it was 10 stories high, but I only went halfway up because uh, of a bum knee. So, hmm. but I mean, uh, Calvary gave it all they had, but in the first half, they never had the ball. I mean, uh, you know, Cedar Grove, you know, they won 30-nothing. We know that two second uh, you know, two seconds left in the game, you hand the ball off and the kid runs for a 30-yard touchdown. So really it was a 24 nothing game. But Calvary had their chances. I mean, it's not like Cedar Grove shut him down completely.
1: Yeah, and from what I saw of that game, and I watched a lot of that game, um, I-, I would say that like, like Savannah Christian leaves or finishes their season and there's really not a lot you can be disappointed about. Like they were beat by a superior team, I think. And Calvary, like I think Cedar Grove was better than Calvary, but there were moments in that game that Calvary could think and spend time on wishing or wondering what might have been if this breaks that way. A couple of – like a roughing the passer, a roughing the punter. Um, There were like – there were several third downs that – defensively Calvary had Cedar Grove in third down – and fairly long, and they let those opportunities slip away. So when you only have the ball three times and really two drives in the first half, there's not a lot you can do. But uh, like I do think that Calvary was probably kicking itself more than what Savannah Christian was. Does that make sense? Like, like If you replay that game with Calvary and they do a couple other things, it might go a different way as far as the final score is. I don't know that they beat Cedar Grove, but... Like they had chances for sure.
0: I would say Cedar Grove's defense was one of the best I've seen all year. Yeah. Quick, uh, you know they're coming off the edges. They're coming. They're coming from everywhere. They blitz every play, and you got to you got to be able to ready it. And Jake Berkling, and it's not saying anything bad about the offensive line of Calvi, but Jake Berkling didn't have a chance. No. I mean, they they were in there so quick. It was unbelievable. And, you know, they tried the, sh- the short swing pass. They tried the screen to the side. They have tried everything. But this team was so quick. I mean, yeah, they had one stud. And the kid was a stud. I'm telling you right now. I, I forget which guy it was. on. Uh, you know, uh, they had two or three studs. Uh, they had a defensive back. They had a defensive tackle. They had a defensive end. That would D1 commits. Yeah, uh, They had a lot of talent. Offensively, though, Calvary stuck with them. Okay, like you said, uh, you get that uh, roughing the punter. I mean, it was third and forever, and you get the roughing the punt. If you, if you don't get the roughing the punter, you don't get the uh, late hit out of bounds either. So it's a different ball game. And, you know, yeah. Calvary had a chance two or three times to punch it in, but they just couldn't get it because that defense, when you, you got inside their 10-yard line, they just picked it up. In the, in the second half, you know, it definitely looked like Calvary was staying with them until, you know, you got roughing the kicker, uh, a penalty, and that padding two – don't ask me why we couldn't just take a knee, uh, you know, and that's my coaching philosophy. It's 24 nothing. There's two seconds to go in the game. Get on the center. Take the knee. Walk out there with a little class to hand the ball off. And, you know, and the uh, young coach, Tomasi said, Dad, you can't say that. He said, we put our kids out there just like you preached to me for how long? It's your responsibility to stop them.
1: Yeah, but Calvary didn't have their – like I watched that final play because I'm trying to make sure I get the final score correct. Right. And Cedar Grove, and let's not spend too long on it, but Cedar Grove right. let the delay of game happen. So yep. you have the 40 seconds ish where you're getting another play to get or you're calling a play. Calvary didn't have all their number one guys in. Yep. And if the excuse is that you don't go under center, so you're not used to kneeing it, you don't want to get guys hurt, that's fine. Go and shotgun and kneel it. Right. But that's just a sign of like, like, like Russell says, that kind of thing probably doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But that's the kind of thing that just gives you a bad look. It just doesn't look pro. It doesn't look like you've been there before, and they have been there before.
0: <laughs> yeah, like six out of the last eight years and all that other stuff. But anyway. Right,
1: that kind of thing comes back around, as you know, Carl.
0: Like you said, it's just an old coach's uh, pet peeve of mine. When you're up that big and there's no time left for that a chance – just have class, take a knee. And I'm going to say it, just have class, take a knee. I don't care what they say. I'm going to say it. Take, have class, take a knee. Whether you're under center or you're in shotgun, even in shotgun, like you just said, but, you know, people are going to disagree with me. And, uh, you know, I'm Calvary got beat. Calvary got beat fair and square. Yeah. Cedar Grove was better the better team last Friday night. But there's sometimes, in the world of sports, it's called class. It's called sportsmanship. And sometimes lately, Travis... I've been around this game since 1969. There's some people that are in charge of teams that don't know how to handle it. That's all I got to say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just oh, not a priority cool. for them. But, um, hey, so did I read it correct that Calvary's field goal attempt in that game was their first all season?
0: First one all season. I mean, you're down 17. That's 17-0. crazy. That's
1: you're crazy. You're down
0: 17 you nothing. Know, I asked Coach Tomasi, Russell Tomasi, I said, why? He said, dad, we're down three scores. We get the field goal. We only need two scores now. So we had to get some points right now. Yeah, I had to
1: get a field goal at right. some point in the in the progression. I, I was, yeah, I'm definitely cool. But well, what happened?
0: Time. Right off the edge, I mean that kid he was quick as can be. I think he was six foot six. I don't know which kid it was, but that kid was in there like a lightning bolt. So I can't believe
1: that Calvary went the whole season without attempting a field
0: goal. That yeah, is they crazy. Didn't have to. That's crazy. They didn't have to. So all right. Well, that's uh the first part of the prep sports report, high school playoff pigskin preview for the state semifinals. Of course, now we're going to focus in on the big game here in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, I think it's the Troop County Tigers come in and take on the Benedictine military cadets at Memorial Stadium. You got to be excited about it. You don't get there early. you're not getting You're not getting in. So remember that. So get there early. You can get your t- tickets on GoFan. Uh, it's going to be a packed house and Troop it's going to bring a lot of people so uh you know we we looked at the uh newspaper the uh what, what, what's the newspaper out there the uh legend
1: it was the lagrange the here the lagrange
0: daily news
1: daily news yeah basically the new york times
0: <laughs> basically as they say in new york with the daily news you wrap your fish and chips you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i so. got it but, uh, you know, troops ready for it. I mean, here, here they are. Now they're the rank, 10th-ranked team taking on the 4th-ranked team. But you look at all the Maxwell predictions and projections, the number one team is Benedictine. And, yeah. you know, go ahead. They are. And I,
1: I, I didn't realize until we were putting together the preview that Class 4A has four one-seeds all in one the seat. final four, which is, yep. which sounds dumb, but it's pretty rare, actually. Like, usually something weird happens at least in one quadrant. Um, but yeah, I think if you're BC, like this is the preferred of the other three teams remaining, this would be the preferred team to play. I I, like if you're power rating the four, but troops still a top five team in the state. Um, I I think Carl, like, I think that you can't talk about troop without talking about Teo Todd, the guy, like this guy's numbers are absolutely incredible. 53 total touchdowns, 27 rushing, 26 passing. This is like one of the only times that the other team may have a better, may have a better quarterback than BC. I don't know that that leads to a troop win, but that's fascinating to me.
0: Well, you know, I got to go back to it again. Like I said last week and I didn't see it happen at, uh, at the Calvary game. I don't know what happened at the Savannah Christian game with their quarterback, but if you can't contain this kid, you're in trouble. Yeah. If you can't, I mean, like you said, He's rushed for almost two thousand yards. He's not sitting in the pocket, dropping back and stepping up and going up the middle of the field. He's getting to the outside. I have not seen any game film. Okay, when you know, I should I should have went to the uh, NFHS website to watch them play last week. Uh, I didn't get a chance to do you know, <laughs> coaching uh, you know basketball and everything else that's going on prep sports report. I wish I would have sat down and watched it, which I'll probably do later on tonight. Maybe I'll get a chance to do that. But if I I'm saying. You got to contain this kid. You contain this kid. You make him come up the middle. You make him come through the meat. That's right. The big boys, the meat, the huge cadets, the 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 uh, the tanks that are up front. He's going to have a tough time. But if he gets around the edge, it could be a long night, just like it was last week for Calvary Day School. I don't know what happened to Savannah Christian. Were they getting off the edge? Were they beating him on the edge with the quarterback?
1: Uh, Savannah Christian was doing what we thought they were going to do was tr- was to to rush up the edge, but try to keep them in the pocket. Right. And they did a good job of that. But the problem was Sandy Creek's quarterback through for five right. touchdown passes. I don't see like Teo Todd doing like going off against BC, but like as he goes, troop goes. And so if, if BC can eliminate just one facet of his game, And, you know, I don't know what Galen Housen and and Danny Britt are going to come up with, but they have to find a way to make him a pure passer and and be okay with that or a pure runner and be okay with that. Because what you can't do is you can't put a spy on him the whole game and you can't put like eight, nine guys in the box because they have good players out wide, really good receivers out wide. Like that's a matchup that I'm going to be interested in watching too is Zaquan Bryan likely covering Quay Moss, who is a really nice receiver for them. He, he's got 69 catches on the year. Logan Sinkfield, another great player out wide for Troop. So the strength of BC, their defense, is going to be squarely matched up against one of the best quarterbacks in all of Class 4A, if not the entire state. So they know what they're going to have to do. Now can they do it? Um, like it's going to be a really interesting matchup.
0: Well, you know, like you said, you know, BC has the people in the secondary to match up with those two receivers. So it's, it's, it's not like they, they haven't played against teams that had very good receivers already. So I think yeah, troop, troop county's coming into a hostile environment. Okay. Remember there's 30 minutes left in the parking lot to get out of your tailgate. Uh, Pat Rossiter is beautiful when he does that. Okay? Pat Rossiter is the man. He's the man. 30 minutes to kick off. Make sure you shut it down and get in here. But anyway, uh, you know, you just, I mean, BC has the personnel to match up with Troop County. And like you said, you have to take one of those things away from Todd. Are you going to let him be a thrower or are you going to let him be a runner? But the difference is now they also got people in the secondary to, to you know, maybe go match up, press press man to man. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, I, like you said, Danny Britt college football standout defensive back uh, has always been a defensive coach he's got the young man galen houston from bc who is a defensive player at bc and you put their minds together you don't know what scheme you're going to get and the defense keeps this team in the game until the offense aj DePhillips, and the offense gets rolling and you know last week bc's offense was run the ball this week it could be throw the ball. So it, it's going to be pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, when you got Blackshear and you got uh, Brian, am I forgetting anybody else? Uh,
1: nasir Samuels coming on.
0: Samuels. And, of course, you can't count out Luke Cromerhawk. I know he hasn't rushed for uh, 1,900 yards, and 1,959 yards like Todd. But the kid is a dual-thread quarterback. He just yeah, doesn't he- have – he just had, had, hasn't to have that, you know – He's done it a couple of times where he's get, get ran for over a hundred yards. So, I mean, uh, and he's thrown for over a hundred yards. So uh, BC is more, I would say, uh, you know, even on offense when it's run to pass ratio. So we're, we're going to see what happens. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, you got to love it for these kids. Uh, you know, BC now is definitely a dynasty. It is that team that, you know, everybody knows about now, you know, before they won that first championship back there with Danny Britt, BC hadn't won a football championship. But now everybody knows who they are. And, uh, you know, it was always that mythical team out of Savannah, Benedictine, who was so good but never won a state championship. They're over that hump now. You know, when you win, the players want to come to your school. And that's what's going on right now uh, at Benedictine with Danny Britton, that team. Uh, You know, the kids know it's a winner. I want to play for a winner. Hey, it's a private school. I can apply and get in. And you get the best talent. And that's what it comes down to.
1: Yeah, and they're a a bonafide brand under Danny Britt. And unlike, like in stark contrast to a program like, say, Cedar Grove, there is a way that Benedictine has gone about things that is universally respected, you know, from whether it be college coaches coming in to recruit the players, uh, to, to fans, to alumni, to other coaches in the area, the way that they perceive BC has changed. Because you're right, before Danny Britt got there, they were there was a kind of a thought that, hey, it's sort of a soft private school team with talent, but they're not exactly tough guys. You know what I mean? They're not exactly battle-tested. Now, when you look at BC, they are the image of a battle-tested program, which means more than a two-year cycle, that they're doing this thing in three, four, five-year cycles. Um, and look, if they win this year, if they win a state title this year, it may be Danny Britt's best coaching job ever, because, like, correct me if I'm wrong, Carl, but the previous three titles have come with returning starting quarterbacks. If right. I'm not mistaken, what you know is it? Uh, let's see, was it Brad or not Brad Stewart? Um,
0: Stevie Powers.
1: Stevie Powers was a returning starter at quarterback. The golden arm.
0: We called. You know, when I used to do the uh, Friday night games with ESPN Radio, me and Kevin Thomas. Kevin Thomas had the go- golden vocal cords. Stevie Powers had the golden arm.
1: Now, that might be a talking point, too. Could Kevin Thomas and Christian Gokel get their second straight title? Yeah. Because <laughs> because so far, BC has never not won a state title while those guys are calling the games exclusively. So could it be? Who knows? Well,
0: 2014, 2016, we, we were doing it on the high school game of the week. You know, the last two years, they, they've been the flagship for BC football. But, uh, I mean – I, you know, I, I got to speak about Danny Britt and, you know, I know people going to say, well, you know, you, you, love the guy. You know what? I had a son play for him and my son loved that man to death. I mean, and he was a player. He was a player. Uh, he was a co- player's coach. I mean, they knew when he was serious, they knew they had to listen to Danny Britt, but then he could turn around and give you a big hug. And you know, what he's done at 12 for 12 years at Benedictine. And that's not saying, you know, Benedictine coach before there, before that, you know, you're talking about Vic Mel and you're talking about all the They were a nice
1: program. They were a solid program, but they weren't this.
0: Solid program, but it was never the big time program that was going to have a chance at winning a state title. I mean, I mean, let me get this wrong. 12 years, six semifinals, three state championships, and he's done it coming in when the program the year before he came in, I think was one and nine or oh and 10. Yeah. yeah. So what he's done there. He's built a uh, culture that these kids know that this man is going to lead them. He's going to love them. It's going to be sometimes hard love, but he's going to put you in the right place to win. And he's going to have a coaching staff that believes in what he's doing. And you know what? That's another thing. Cause most of his coaching staff has stayed with him. Through these twelve years, they haven't jumped ship and gone somewhere else.
1: Yeah, I well, I will say that like there is the uh, there is a benefit. That it's how how can I phrase this, Carl? It's easier to keep coaches when there's more money available to pay the coaches
0: to stay. Right? I mean, wow. they're, like, they're,
1: I, not every program is afforded that.
0: I luxury. can't go that round because I don't know what their coaching supplements are. I don't know what they give their coaches. I never looked into Neither it. Neither do I.
1: But it's not. Like a public school in Savannah, they don't get to decide how much they pay any of their co- coaches. Is that no. correct? Isn't that just a universal?
0: It's cut and dry. But the coaches, the coaches can give other coaches more money than other coaches. I mean, they can they can take their yeah. uh, supplements and move it around. Yeah, and, and does, I'm not saying that's it, negative it, for
1: it. BC. But like, right. I, I will, like, how do you get players and coaches to trust you and to believe in you? It's they can look at your track record and see like, have you won? Like is what you're saying. Is there proof it's, that it works?
0: Here's another then, thing we haven't talked about. Who and where are his coaches from?
1: Yeah, that's true. They're
0: from Benedictine. Yeah, they. they I didn't know-, know
1: Galen went to Benedictine. I didn't know that. Oh
0: yeah, he, I mean he was a stud. He was a stud. I believe
1: it. I believe it.
0: I know. I had to play against him, <laughs> so you know, you know. So I I know who the kid is, and uh, you know he's a quiet leader. Uh, he was outstanding uh, football player there, and but he brings back. Danny Britt brings back players that played there so they know the tradition and I love it when the kids tell me when they come on my radio show they're the athletes weeks what's so special about Benedictine the brotherhood the traditions and when you bring back kids coaches that were kids there that know it and they're then giving it to the new kids it's it's a no-win situation
1: yeah yeah um well, so with, the, with this matchup, how much stock do you put into the common opponent, the New Hampstead game? So Troop played New Hampstead in round one. We know that Benedictine, a week before that, really rolled New Hampstead, like beat him pretty soundly. Uh, and then Troop only beats New Hampstead by one score. Like, you as a, like, when you look at a game, do you put a lot of stock into that kind of thing? Or is every game like a standalone? Because I do put a lot of stock into that. But I don't know if that's...
0: It helps you weigh the um, the capability of the team you're playing. Okay, yeah. I'll put it that way. And yes, New Hampstead and, and Benedictine took care of New Hampstead. But that's a rival. I mean, you know, Troop playing New Hampstead wasn't a rival. Troop was playing a team that was coming in and nobody gave him a credit for that was very talented. Uh, where BC and New Hampstead... They've been playing each other for the last three, four years. So they know each other inside and out. And it's a rivalry because the kids that go to New Hampshire, know the kids that go to uh, go to Benedictine and they played middle school against each other, or they played youth football together. So, I mean, it's a total different story. Uh, But that was a
1: short week too, for BC, New Hampshire, I think. Very short.
0: Yep. It was a short week. It went to a Thursday night. I would put some money into it. You know, the whitewater game too. I mean, troop had a shootout with whitewater, but you know, BC shut White, uh, White Warden down. So, uh, you know, uh, I just think BC has... If we're going to talk about the breakdown of the game, the final breakdown of the game, because we're uh, getting to the limit point here, I just think BC, just like I told you, like John Nelson from GPB Sports, there's three parts of the season. Danny Brick took in the preseason, taking them to play the best talent or best teams they could play. Then during the season, this year was different because Burke... Uh, Wayne and uh, New Hampstead were no slouches. They didn't have to play all the pub schools, or they didn't have to play just four region games, okay? So they didn't just have to play Jenkins, Islands, and New Hampstead. They had other teams they had to play against. So, uh, you know, Wayne County, I mean, uh, you know, Jay Barshore had that program back to where it was, and he's the new coach there. So I think Danny Britt has his team uh, well prepared, and I think that's the difference in this game. And I think just like the cadets shut down Stockbridge and uh, shut down Whitewater, I think they're going to shut down this team too. And, you know, the first the first round of the playoffs, you know, BC had to come in and go against a different uh, scheme on offense that you haven't seen all year. You know, the good old fashioned Georgia Southern, uh, you know, uh, you know flexbone. So, uh, but they they did it, and I just think, you know, I I can't wait to see this kid Todd. But I just think BC, in my mind, and I'm not being a homie this week because I know you went three and O. I went one and two, okay? In my heart, I really do believe, and I've not watched any film on Troop. I do believe, though, that this team is better prepared or has played better better teams than uh, Troop County has.
1: Oh, yeah, I think that's undeniable. And I guess if we're doing – I'll predict uh, and put my winning streak on the line. I'll guess – what did you say the Maxwell projection was?
0: 33 cadets, 14 Tigers.
1: Okay, because I don't want to guess exactly what that was. I had in mind something like 27-13, something like that, Benedictine. Um, But again, like BC could play that rope-a-dope like they did against Whitewater and sort of just reel them in. Uh, I could see BC, again, getting down something like 7-3 early and being A-OK with that. Um, So, like, I think it's close early. I think Todd still has a couple of touchdowns, maybe one each. Um, But BC is better than this team, and if they play – their a game which I expect them to they shouldn't have any problems uh with this team and and I do base a lot of that off of the game against New Hampstead and the game against Whitewater like you said that's really all I can go off of but that's eight quarters worth of worth of knowledge you know
0: all right so Whitewater Troop County beat them in a shootout forty three thirty three. uh New Hampstead Troop County beat thirty six twenty nine. defensively True County is a isn't a Benedictine defense. No. Whitewater thirty four ten BC, New Hampshire forty five to six BC. Defense is the game. Yes, I could see them scoring two scores. I'll go. With, I'll go with. The, I'm going to go with the Max Prep uh, Maxwell Preps projections. I could see BC winning again thirty four fourteen. They've been right. consistently. They've been consistently scoring thirty points a game. They've been consistently shutting down the other team. So you know, I really see them doing it, and I can't wait to. Uh, You know, see them the following week up there at, uh, you know, Center uh, Park Stadium, whatever they call it. So at Georgia State University. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I just think Danny Britt has done a great job again. Like you said, this is probably uh, one of his best coaching uh, coaching uh, years because you're taking a kid who never played quarterback or was the starting quarterback. And his team's one step one step from knocking on the door and repeating as the state champion.
1: Yeah, in a really completely different way. And I do want to shout out Asher Sigmund for two field goals last week. He's been good of late, and I was not critical of him early on, but that may have been the only weak link in their armor early in the season and even kind of throughout the latter part of the regular season. They weren't great in the kicking department, and they've added that now it seems that Asher Sigmund has become pretty, you know, locked in inside of 35 yards especially.
0: Nah, i mean it's a threat yeah it's a threat so you get inside the other teams 40 40 yard line 35 yard line bc has a chance to put points on the board all right closing yeah. thoughts uh anything exciting of course i got you uh your uh credentials just tell give them your name at the gate so you can get in there you're representing uh one of the many uh uh media sources you're right for the prep sports report
1: nice yeah and i got my man andy rock in the box so i'll be right next to uh in the booth next to Pat Rossiter, who is, who is a legend of the game, announcing it. I can't wait. I think Memorial Stadium
0: is going to be electric on Friday. Name the school that Pat Rossiter was the head football coach for. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Groves? He's the man that started building the hill in 1989.
1: No way. I didn't know that.
0: Pat Rossiter, yep.
1: Nice little piece there. That's a nice little bit of knowledge.
0: Yep, past Ross. So when you go in there, tell him, you know, I know he's a diehard cadet guy because he is from D.C. Just say, hey, Pat, go Wildcats, build a hill. You'll get a big smile out of him.
1: All right, I will. I'll do that.
0: So anything special coming up that you want to give a quick shout out? Uh,
1: No, I will say to um, anyone interested in joining a bowl pick'em group, uh, if you want to pick the bowl games, um, we have a free group uh, through the Hot Grits podcast, and it's presented by John Carr, realtor, who's been a, a sponsor of ours on the podcast for a long time now. So the way you can do that is to just find me on Twitter at Jadon sports. Um, I've got it retweeted. You can join for free and the, the winner gets $150 cash and they get to come on the podcast and claim their prize. So, um, Go join that. You have till December 16th is the first bowl game.
0: Now, are these the brackets of integrity? Can I do it more than one bracket or you, you only get one, 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 uh, one game, one card? No,
1: you only get one entry. You only get one entry and your entry has to include either your first name or your last name um, in order to validate that it's only one entry per person. Um, <laughs> and we do it confidence points. I don't know if you know. So you just risk a certain amount of points like if you're really confident that one team will win a bowl game, you would risk the most amount of points. And then the least confident game, you would only risk one point on that. So whoever has the most points at the end uh, wins, wins the 150 cash.
0: I've never done that. I got to check that out. That sounds pretty interesting. So give it a try. Hey, you know, show me the cash. I want the cabbage. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, but anyway, all right, look forward to it. Doing this one more time next week. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, Thursday nights, uh, you know, we always got to get this up there or Thursday during the day, you know, always uh, previewing the game the day before, and that's what it's all about. You know, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, once again, how's the uh, the uh, honorable mention all region basketball player doing with his little kids team?
1: We start in January. The practices have been so-so. I'll, I'll leave it at that. They've been okay so far. We're working though. We're we're uh, it's a process. Trust the process.
0: I'll give you a tip from an old ball coach that coached many years in the Ute leagues. Okay. Make it fun. Let them use their imagination. You're playing a 1-3-1 defense. Tell them they're playing an airplane defense. You got the captain in the front. You got the wings on the side. You got the uh, stewardess in the middle. You got the tail in the back. Make it a lot of fun. Tell them the the, the the plane has to shift to the right, have to shift to the left. You know what I mean?
1: I like that. I like that. I'm going to use that.
0: And remember, when they're playing defense, it's like playing Cowboys and Indians. Point your guns at the ball and your, uh, your opponent, you never lose sight of the ball. You never lose sight of your opponent. Cowboys and Indians, make sure you got your guns pointed at those people. Uh, I know that's probably not politically correct now. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But what happens in the gym stays in the
0: gym. It always does. (laughs) All right. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you uh, again, uh, uh, I guess, tomorrow or Friday night. We'll get together and uh, I'll meet you up there. I got to go to a basketball game first, but we're taking on the Warriors. So I'll see you after that.
1: Awesome, Carl. Thanks, man.
0: I appreciate it, Travis. Have a good one. You too, bud. So I'm going 38-14. The sports reporter is going 27-13, Benedictine. It's always a lot of fun. Uh, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, I've been doing this now since the season started. And, uh, you know, it, you know every week gets more and more interesting. We're down to one team. Come on, cadets. Danny Britt, march those young men into Memorial Stadium on Friday night. and Let's march back up to Atlanta for a repeat of what happened last year. Hey, you've been listening to the Prep Sports Report. High School Pigskin Preview, Playoff Preview for December 1st, 2022. Can't wait till Friday night. Memorial Stadium, 7.30. The Benedictine Cadets defending their state championship against the Troop County High School Tigers. 7.30 kickoff. Remember, check it out. Check out the Prep Sports Report. Check out Travis Jadon Connect Savannah Prep Sports Report, Hot Grid Podcast. And yours truly every Saturday morning on the Carl DeMasi Sports Report. Brought to you by the Coach's Corner Sports Network. As I'll say tonight, go K-Dets.